This is a Squiz podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. Good morning, I'm Larissa Moore. And I'm Claire Kimball. It's Friday the 11th of March. In your Squiz today, a new strain of Omicron, politics and the flood response, Djokovic is barred from more tournaments, and it's never too late to say sorry. This is your Squiz today. It's been a while since we've led with COVID, but the virus is back in the headlines with a new strain of Omicron set to become the dominant strain in New South Wales. It's thought to be 25% more transmissible than Omicron, and it's something that has New South Wales Health Minister Brad Hazard very wary as case numbers start to rise again, Claire. New South Wales recorded 16,200-odd cases yesterday. When you look across the country, Western Australia is also recording cases in the thousands, uh, 4,500 cases yesterday. Uh, In both of those states, cases are expected to peak again. Uh, This new variant is something uh, of interest, of course, to those epidemiologists and scientists because uh, when you're getting towards sort of 20 and 30,000 cases a day in another state, deep uh, drop off after that, uh, there's that wave of infection. So health systems need to be ready for it. Also this week, Professor Jodie McVernon from the Doherty Institute, who are the mob behind uh, the modelling that the federal government has been relying on, uh, she said that there's another new variant uh, that we should be on the lookout for, uh, looking for a comeback around winter. Uh, Of course, that's at a time where uh, a lot of the population's immune defences will be waning because it'll be around the six-month mark since many, many people had their booster shots. It's a good reminder to get that third booster if you haven't yet. The new strain isn't thought to be any more severe or that boosters won't work against it, so there is that. It's not just Australia seeing this new variant start to show some dominance. It's happening in parts of the UK, Europe and Asia as well. A quick reminder of how dominant Omicron itself became, it now accounts for 98% of publicly tracked cases in January. Yeah, last year it was all about Delta. Uh, When we get into (laughs) that sort of December, January period, it was all about Omicron. Uh, So these variants do have form uh, when it comes to becoming dominant quite quickly. Uh, At the moment in the UK, cases are quite high again. They're around that 67,000 mark a day. Uh, In the US, they're around 32,000 or so. Uh, But they are expecting as they head into that summer period for things to get easier there. It's a reminder that it's all far from over, something reiterated by the World Health Organization boss, Dr. Tedros, yesterday. He also noted a pretty grim milestone. The world has passed 6 million coronavirus deaths since the start of the pandemic. Back home and politics is starting to take centre stage of the flood response. We know it was a tense time for PM Scott Morrison in Lismore and the commentary around the federal response has continued. It's something the PM is pushing back on. He's saying flood mitigation is the state government's responsibility. A bit of blame game happening around here, Claire. Yeah, there is. And yesterday, Queensland Premier Anastasia Palaszczuk said that she's not much interested in her state being included in that national emergency declaration. She says that it's too little, too late. Uh, What Morrison said to that is he doesn't need her permission to do that. Uh, And that actually there's a bit of misunderstanding about what that declaration means, that it will give them some access to more resources to speed up the recovery. Uh, But the pressure is on Morrison. 
Morrison and Labor's Anthony Albanese will be in that Lismore region today. When it comes to the scale of the disaster, these floods are shaping up to be one of Australia's worst ever natural disasters. We're still in politics and Victorian Labor Senator Kimberly Kitching has died suddenly, Claire, aged 52, of a suspected heart attack. She was a member of the Senate since 2016 and she carved out a name for herself as someone who was fiercely protective of Australia's national interest. She was from the right faction of the party and she was particularly interested in China and Australia. Uh, She was also the key driver behind last year's move to legislate for Australia's uh, version of those Magnitsky laws that we talked about, Larissa. Mm. Those are laws that give governments powers to seize the assets of individuals if they're believed to have committed human rights abuses. So she was known as a warrior for human rights. What her colleagues this morning have said, uh, despite all that serious content, that she was great fun and that she was a big intellect and a great colleague. She's being remembered across politics, as you say, as a great colleague and friend. Labor leader Anthony Albanese said she was determined to make an ongoing contribution in the Australian national interest. He sent his sincerest condolences to her family. On to sport and former world number one tennis player Novak Djokovic will miss out on more tournaments, this time in the US, again due to that lack of vaccination. He says that he was automatically entered in the Indian Worlds and the Miami Open tournaments in the US, uh, but the government and the officials there have made the decision that he can't uh, compete in those because he's unvaccinated. Uh, It is just another one of those blocks in his way uh, to rack up more Mm. titles uh, and, of course, big questions about whether he'll be allowed to play in other big tournaments like Wimbledon uh, and also in the French Open a bit later this year. Yeah, he could still miss out on some pretty huge tournaments. The lack of tournaments means he's lost the world number one spot to Daniil Medvedev and that ended his record 361 weeks in the top spot. He's next expected to play at the Monte Carlo Masters next month. There's been a historic apology made in Scotland by leader Nicola Sturgeon. It was to the 4,000 people, mostly women, who were accused of witchcraft way back in the 16th and 18th centuries. Yeah, when I think of witchcraft and those uh, legal actions against them, I think about the Salem witch hunts and, of Mm, course, that's in Massachusetts in the United States. But what the advocates for this apology say is that it was Scotland where uh, many, many witches, uh, women who were falsely accused and often coerced into false confessions, uh, it was Scotland where they were really, really put to the wire. Um, At least 2,500 people are believed to have been killed under Scottish law, but it could be uh, as many as 4,000, as you say. Yeah, Sturgeon called it injustice on a colossal scale and that it was important to acknowledge injustice no matter how historic. To misquote Justin Bieber, never too late to say sorry. On to Friday Lights, and before we touch on the recipe this week, Claire, you've got a book recommendation. Yeah, I haven't read a lot of novels of late. Uh, I just had got out of the practice of that. But I came across this picture of Sarah Jessica Parker, who looked very comfortable reading a novel. She was at a (laughs) hockey game, though, and she had Tom Hanks with her. Um, So I thought, gee, that must be a really good book if she's able to focus on that. (laughs) Uh, It's called Astonish Me. It's by Maggie Shipstead. Uh, I really 
really enjoyed it. It was a good, easy read. So if you've had a bit of a reading drought, it's a good one to get back into. As for the recipe this week, long-time squizzers will know that edamame dip is a firm favourite. Even I've made it and I'm no whiz in the kitchen. (laughs) There's a variation on this one, Claire. Yeah, and actually when it comes to the process, like the edamame dip that I'm absolutely committed to, it's very, very easy to make. You basically chuck everything into a food (laughs) processor and away you go. This is the same, but it has fewer ingredients. They're all able to be picked up at the supermarket uh, and it doesn't have the oils that my favourite one has. So I dare say it's a little bit more healthy as well. Mm, Very good, quick and healthy. All of these are in your episode notes. They're also in Friday Lights in the newsletter. There's also a good article on tips for mould, which unfortunately many of us need at the moment post all this rain. You can jump into the Squiz Today newsletter to find Friday Lights each week. Squiz the day or across the weekend, what's something notable to keep an eye on? It is the anniversary of Prime Minister Paul Keating's election win in 1993. Mm. He said that that was one for the true believers. Uh, It was really an election that they shouldn't have won, but they did. So maybe some inspo for Team Morrison, (laughs) given they're on the rails in the polls. Yeah, oh, we can't get away from this election coming up. Mm. Sunday is also the start of Sleep Awareness Week. I'm very aware of sleep or the lack thereof comes with the territory of an early morning newsletter and podcast, doesn't it, Claire? Sure does. Love a bit of sleep. (laughs) Love a bit of sleep. One final nudge for our survey. We'll be closing it on Monday. So if you do have some time today or across the weekend, we're especially keen to hear from our podcast listeners what you're liking, any feedback that you have for us. It helps us shape what we do. I'll pop a link in your episode notes, but they can be tricky to find. So I'll also put it up on our Instagram stories. You'll be able to find the link there. And you can email us at hello at thesquiz.com.au and we'll send it to you as well. Have a great weekend, have a good Friday, and we will be back with you on Monday. A message now from our podcast partner, BHP. The steel made from iron ore plays an important role in providing the production of our energy infrastructure, from wind turbines to power poles. So cutting carbon emissions in iron ore production is key. It's why BHP has committed to a solar and battery agreement to help power its port facilities at Port Hedland. It's happening now at BHP.